Hi everyone, my name is Greg Knight and I like watching, thinking about, and talking about movies. One of the great things about starting your own podcast is that there are some days where you get to actually talk to the creators of those movies. Our series Under the Stole is where you can find those conversations. I've had the opportunity to interview award-winning directors, up-and-coming documentarians, and even a legit Abraham Lincoln historian. So if you are curious about the creative spirit and want to learn more about how artists are inspired to make their passion projects, check out Under the Stole right here on the Popping Collars feed. Hi, I'm Greg. And I'm Betsy. And this is Going on 30, a popping collar side project where we're just a couple of folks looking for a new house. Lottery winners look for houses <clears throat> in semi rural England. Just a couple of folks looking for a new house. We're looking to move out of the city and out into the country. That's all. So that we Great. can watch our movies that were nominated or should have been nominated for Best Picture 30 years ago. This month, we're looking at Howard's End. It's a good name for a house. That's okay. <laughs> it's not as good as like some of those beach house names. Buoys and gulls. Yeah, like the ship, the ship shape. I'll, I'll, I'll name some David Sedaris ones. <laughs> the C section, you know, just it's not Love as good it. as that. It's not as good Love as that. Wilcoxes, they've taken the flat opposite for the wedding of their son. Paul Wilcox pointed our house and said, there lives the girl who tried to catch me. Ridiculous. Howard's End was almost pulled down once. It would have killed me. It was left to me by my brother who died out in India. I love it so. We have here a note purporting to be in your mother's handwriting. And it says, I would like Miss Schlegel, Margaret, to have Howard's end. I could simply scratch that woman's eyes out. It's taking my mother's place. The idea. When do you want to marry me? <laughs> How you do fly around my heads in the world? Let's dance! Just you and me. Don't take up a sentimental attitude over the poor. See that she doesn't, Margaret. The poor are poor. One is sorry for them, but there it is. What's wrong? It's Tibby ill. He's starving. I found him starving. Who is starving? The bath. He's been turned out of the bank. Thanks to us. He's done for. We've ruined him. Henry, aren't you going to say hello? Do you know, know Mrs. Bass? No, I don't. Everything's got spoiled for you, hasn't it? You have had a mistress. I forgave you. My sister has a lover. You drive her from the house. Why can you not be honest for once in your life and say to yourself, what Helen has done, I have done? <laughs> Uh, Betsy, I have a brief description of Howard's End. Would you like to hear it? I would. It's actually not brief at all. So oh, <laughs> settle in. Buckle up. <laughs> settle in. All right. A brief description of Howard's End. Chapter one. <laughs> 
A saga of class relations and changing times in an Edwardian England on the brink of modernity. The film centers on liberal Margaret Schlegel, who, along with her sister Helen, becomes involved with two couples, wealthy conservative industrialist Henry Wilcox and his wife Ruth, and the downwardly mobile working class Leonard Bast and his mistress Jackie mistress they were married Wait well no remember he said he was gonna marry her oh yeah that's right yeah yeah. yeah. when he turned whatever i was never really quite sure i thought they got married anyway yeah howard's end a tale as old as time where where class and and social status of edwardian england uh are brought to bear what years what years is edwardian england what years is that turn of the 20th century right like that's what it looks like they have cars so 1920s 1910s. let's look edwardian era in the reign of king edward the seventh 1901 oh 1910 oh. And sometimes it's extended up to the beginning of the world war because i kept wondering every time they commented on them being germans and romantics and intellectuals and i'm like have we fought have they fought Germany in a war yet? Has that happened yet? <laughs> Evidently, it did not. It did not, not, yet. not yet. Not yet. It's not coming. Yet. It's uh, coming Bet- a couple of times. Bet- <laughs> it's, it's almost there. Betsy, oh. what, what is your history with Howard's End? So I thought I had seen this movie. Yeah. Are we going to bring sat- in pre, pre-recording conversation? To- we are. We're going to bring in <laughs> the remains of the day, which is what... I had I thought they were servants in the house. I thought this was an upstairs downstairs situation, no. some sort of Downton Abbey type business. Mm-mm. But I was wrong. No, yeah. Um, Remains of the day is not an Ian e. Forrester gig. It's based on a 1988 book. <laughs> However, it does star Emma Thompson and sure. Anthony Hopkins. So That's confusing. Confusing because as I've learned watching all the British procedurals that I watch, there are only so many people who live in England who act. And so you will run into them in lots of different things, like Howard's End, which I have now been. I'm like, oh, that guy was on an episode of Vera. That actor's in Four Weddings and a Funeral. That actor's in All Creatures Great and Small. So it continued to happen with this film. But I thought I'd seen it, I had not seen it. Yeah, so like you, I just watched this movie for the first time, what, a couple of weeks ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so no history. As a matter of fact, I would have told you that watching a movie like this would have been a chore for me back in the day. And I was kind of anticipating it being a chore before I started it, mm-hmm. only to kind of wrap myself in the narrative like a warm blanket and mm. came away really liking this movie. But... um. <laughs> But I'm curious, what are your general thoughts on the movie? Your your first takes, maybe not hot takes. If you want to throw in a hot take, well, you can, I but your initial takes on the movie. There was this little figurine that I had purchased when we were in Ireland. And I know they are different countries. But it was this beautiful little thatched roof stone cottage, right? And it had little flowers growing outside of it and, and vines and stuff. 
I'm assuming it's somewhere, maybe it's lost in my parents' home. Who knows? <laughs> but I have very romantic, idealized view of the countryside. Mm. And now that I take that back, maybe it wasn't from Ireland. It could have been from the Cotswolds. Anyway. So when you when you come in on Howardson, mm-hmm. right? You know, and there's oh, what's what's the actress's name? She's amazing. She's walking outside. Uh, Vanessa Redgrave, right? Yeah. yeah. Is it Vanessa? Yeah. Yeah. And she's walking outside, and it's kind of seems like it's evening, mm-hmm. and it's beautiful, and she's looking through the windows. Mm-hmm. It it's that lovely, like it reminds me of walking around you know, Georgetown or downtown DC. And you kind of look over at the windows and to the row houses to see what life is going on in there. Mm-hmm. That looky loo kind of thing. Like nobody's really noticing her. Right. But she's kind of walking about and the flowers are beautiful and the breeze is blowing and it's just, it's just lovely. I mean, it's quite the fantasy. Right. And, you know, I'm sure we could get into Howard's end itself actually being a metaphor for whatever it might be, um, whether it's the place where this character, Mrs. Wilcox, finds herself most authentically. Mm-hmm. You know, she's she's so stuffed up in London. She's just, I mean, she gets there and she's almost like immediately sick, right? You know, right. as opposed to when she's running around and putting strawberries in people's mouths, and it's like this lovely, <laughs> idyllic family kind of location. So there's a, the romanticism of this. And then you and I have talked a little bit about the merchant and ivoryness of this. And this was Ian Forrester's first novel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he didn't write a ton. You know, he wrote a few things, mm-hmm. a lot of it short stories, um, yeah. if I'm correct about that. You know, this and Passage to India were kind of his big books. And, but not, yes, not quite just, a. Not quite a Harper Lee situation, but yeah, similar. Yeah. Like not similar. not a big library, yeah. Similar, but you know, but he came from meager class beginnings. His father died when he was very young, as most historical stories about people. <laughs> some somebody's gonna die <laughs> while the child was young, and so and that you know, going to King's College and his own struggles with class and acceptance and confidence and all of that's mm-hmm. a part of his story as well here. And I guess my one of my big hot takes is I'm not really quite sure who I'm supposed to like in this film yeah, and who I, I'm supposed to dislike. Yeah. It's not a very clear good guys, bad guys type scenario. Everybody's got some questionable things going on. Yeah. I'm really some, not quite sure. There's some strange motives. And you have shifting alliances yeah. through the whole thing. Yeah. I think at first you're supposed to identify with the sisters, but then the sisters, you know, they, they work the system and are totally oblivious. You know, they're just sort of going through life on a cloud Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like, I don't know, these guys are a little, you know, whatever, but. Because everybody seems to be, I mean, there's only a few people in the, in the movie who seem to have jobs where they earn money of some variety and the women don't seem to. So there seems to be this pool of money that we're working off of. Right. And I'm not quite sure. And even the, you know, the brother works at the college, mm-hmm. but he also seems a little kind of flighty as well. Yeah, they seem that. And, and, and I'm like, oh, they're eccentric. But then they have all these friends. And it's like, oh, well, maybe everyone's. Eccentric. But it's just this this era, this era of intellectualism. You, you, you talk about this being on the edge of modernity. Everything's about to change, mm-hmm. you know, as we've now determined war will soon break out. Right. Mm-hmm. And it will 
rock everybody's world um, yeah. in England. But, you know, and then I'm like, am I supposed to like Anthony Hopkins? I definitely don't like his son. No. He's bad news. And the yeah. wife, she's she's bad news, too. Yeah. The daughter's not helpful either. Yeah, that's but, where it starts to dip into, like, you know, the Edwardian England version of HBO's succession. You know, it's like. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yep, These yep, idiot yep. kids kind of jockeying for position. Yeah. Well, and I love I love Helen the Bottom Carter's uh, passion mm-hmm. for justice, and especially, and I think uh, there's definitely this feeling of white upper class fragility. Yeah. That she is giving like she they, she is wrong. They have wronged this family the best. They have they have led them astray. Yeah, they really screwed that guy over. They really screwed that guy over. And she feels really bad. Mm-hmm. And her white women's, it's not necessarily white woman's tears in this situation, but her white woman's yelling about at a wedding that she's been invited to and turned down. It's just whatever. Like she's, I'm less kind of like, I don't really dig her very much as well. Yeah. So I got to tell you, so I think what I liked about this movie was that it wasn't quite as stuffy as I was thinking right. it would be going mm-hmm. into it. So I was a little nervous because you think Oscar movie, like, this is the movie that you're thinking of, you know? It's like, oh, my God. It's one of these, like, just ponderous tomes of a movie that, you know, art artsy people get it and dumb people don't get it. And, you know, it's just it's just one of these, like, oh, God. It's just going to be a two and a half hours of people showing just how British they are and how wonderful they are and how beautiful the scenery can be and stuff like that. And it's not, it's not quite as stuffy as all that. It has like a little sexual charge to it, which Mm -hmm. is interesting. Mm -hmm. It it sort of caught me off guard. Like there's a, there's sort of a, you know, there's a bedroom scene kind of early on this movie Mm -hmm. that I was like, Oh, well now, now you have my attention. Interesting. Oh, is that what it takes? Is that what is that what you're looking for? Got it. Well, you know, it's like when you find, I don't know, when you find a Reese's pieces in your pack of MMs, you're like, I was not expecting this. (laughs) (laughs) Great candy metaphor. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. So so yeah, so not quite as stuffy, uh, not quite as rigid. Like it's got a little flexibility to it with the characters and stuff that make them you know, a little more interesting, a little less like stiff upper lip. Strange editing choices in this movie, though. Um, <laughs> like there will be scenes where we'll be in the middle of a conversation and the screen will fade to black and then it'll just come right back up again on the same scene. It's like, yeah, but could... they've all, but they've slightly moved to another chair in the room. <laughs> and it's this big, it. it's this big showdown that we, you know, this big fight that. Hopkins and Thompson are having with each other mm-hmm. and you want to you want to not turn away and I'm like what are all these breaks right it's like there's it's like... a masterpiece thing and there's suddenly commercials but <laughs> it's not because it's all happening within the same 10 minute scene yeah and you're starting to get some real like information some revelations are coming up mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. like you know real sort of salacious details are coming out about Anthony Hopkins and how he's like an old horn dog like going around town <laughs> doing yep. whatever and it's like all right give us Oh some no details. he's a Cypress Cypress <laughs> Cypress is where you where you do that stuff So I'm like okay great give us some details and then fade to black 
and then comes back and it's like and that's how we all that's how i ended up sleeping with 30 women (laughs) wait a second what a little bizarre on the editing front with this movie well i mean there is this whole thing with you know merchant and ivory right james ivory and ismail merchant you know that i was i was poking around on the our favorite guy the RogerEbert.com, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they made high-end films with low-end budgets, which gave them right. freedom from studio interference. And they often went after kind of the novels of Henry James and Ian Forrester that had the advance of being out of copyright. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, the, you know, this article too, it also talks about the fade to blacks and it's kind of in a conversation where Henry's just apologizing and apologizing mm-hmm. and Margaret's trying to calm him down. Cause he's just, I would say he's in a swivet would be right. my use of a word here, yeah. but it's odd. It's just, it's an interesting choice. Yeah. It's a weird choice. Speaking of weird choice, a little weird of a choice to either cast Helena Bonham Carter or for Helena Bonham Carter to say yes to something like this. Right. Um, What's was, she doing around this time? So that's a great question, right? So, okay. So she would not have been with Tim Burton at this point. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Um, that's going to happen a little bit later. She worked with them on Room with a View mm-hmm. in 85. She does Lady Jane. Great movie. I remember that was 86. That's like a lovey-dovey movie that I watched when I was a young person. She strangely did two episodes of Miami Vice and played mm-hmm. a doctor. Mm-hmm. And then well, she's also she's also in Maurice, which is another Merchant Ivory. So that's that's three okay. two Merchant Ivory things. So she's and in then, the Merchant yeah. Ivory world at this point. Okay, yes. so then maybe it doesn't make sense. Maybe it's not weird for Helena Bonham Carter to be in a Merchant Ivory at this time, but certainly in 2023. It is a little strange to see Helena Bonham Carter show up in this movie with all of the history that we have of her. In fact, Betsy, I have a top five list here. Oh, dear. Yeah. What it is, is it? The, it is the top five. What is Helena Bonham Carter doing here? Movies. Oh, really? Yeah. Top well, five. I mean, okay. What is Helena Bonham Carter doing here? Okay, is there an honorable mention? Uh, there is an honorable mention because it is not a movie. It is. Is it a music video? No, is it, it a... is a it is a TV series. It's when Helena oh. Bonham Carter shows up in The Crown. Oh, what is Helena Bonham Carter doing here in The Crown? She's she's, she's doing Princess Margaret right is what she's doing in The Crown. It was great. I think she was right where she was supposed to be. All right. I don't think. Okay. 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 All right. We'll see whether I agree with. Your exclamation of surprise at the presence right. okay. of the talented Helena Bonham Carter. All right. Okay, All what's right. number five? Uh, number five is Helena Bonham Carter shows up as the fairy godmother in the live action Cinderella movie. Okay, that is a great. Why? What? <laughs> what are we doing here? What are we doing? This okay. is right in the middle of Sweeney Todd and everything, right? Okay, okay. All right, uh, number four. Uh, number four, she shows up as Queen Elizabeth in the King's Speech. The King's Speech. Oh, Going back oh, to the yeah. royals there. Okay, yeah. I like her better as Margaret. All right. Uh, then we're number three. 
Number three, she plays Ophelia, not in Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet, in hey. Mel Gibson's Hamlet. Oh, burn. <laughs> Take that. Yeah. Wow. That's before us, before we knew. Okay. We All right. Knew. So we'll give her okay. the benefit of the doubt. Okay. All right. Gibson. Number number two. Uh, number two, she shows up in Terminator Salvation. Terminator she does? Salvation. Yes, she does. That was genuine surprise, audience. What no is idea. Helena Bonham Carter doing in the Terminator? <laughs> well, now I don't even know what number one can possibly be now that you have shocked me. What have we number, got? Number one, I cheated. It is not a movie. But Helena Bonham Carter shows up in Brian Adams' Brand New Day music video. Oh, what? <laughs> Brand New Day by Brian Adams. Helena Bonham Carter. Is that a gospel song? Oh, can you feel a brand new day? Or is that from? (laughs) That is is a musical. Yeah. Is that Jesus Christ Superstar? No. um, Let's see. How does does Brian Adams' Brand New Day? Yeah, that's what I want to know because I'm very confused. I'll I'll play it at this point in the. uh, Okay. Thank you. Brian Adams, Brand New Day. Let's see, when did it come out? 2015. So so we have peak Helena Bonham Carter in a Brian Adams music video. Maybe she's part Canadian. Listen, it's all a part of the Commonwealth. (laughs) Uh, Betsy, what is your best scene from Howard's End? There was some, it it would definitely be an exchange between Thompson and Hopkins. Hmm. And I think it was it was a very small moment, but it's when they're at the wedding before he sees Ginger. What's her name? Oh, Jackie. 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 Before he sees Jackie. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, hello, governor. Uh, Yeah. Before (laughs) we do some food, please. Before we do that (laughs) uh, moment. Uh, it's it's when she's she comes in. He's sitting in the chair, and she's going to ask to put them up at the hotel or whatever in town. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "I've you know I've got a little request, you know, but there's a little sting at the end of it." Mm-hmm. And I think that's or no, it was getting him a job. It was getting him yeah. a job, putting them up and getting giving him a job. Yeah. And when they've shown up at the wedding, and she's just trying to keep all the cars on the rail. Mm-hmm. At that point, and in a very put together Emma Thompson kind of way, right? Until she collapses in tears upstairs. But it's just that that little interplay, and he's you know that because there are moments where you're like, are they in love? Right? Is this a convenience? Is this a middle age? I get along. You get along. Well, I mean, even the even the the proposal right the the proposal for marriage like i had to watch that scene twice because i wasn't sure what happened what was happening yes yep Yep. all of a sudden she's like are you saying what i think Uh, then the answer is yes and i'm like well what was he saying (laughs) this is the bull goodness like it (laughs) even i know a good thing when i see it 
Yes, but nowadays, with uh, Evie always out with her fiancé, when I get home in the evenings, I tell you I can't stand the place. It would be very lonely for you. Yes. Do you ever get lonely, Miss Slagle? I soon shall, horribly. It's heartbreaking to leave one's old home. Goodness, how high this ceiling must be. Hmm? Yes, it must be over 30 feet. No, maybe 40, I should think. Perhaps even more. I'm a Schlegel. Um, I've had you up here on false pretenses. I want to speak on a much more serious matter than the house. Do you think you could be induced to uh, share? I mean, is it at all probable that... Oh, yes, I see. Miss Schlegel. Margaret. I don't think you quite understand. Oh, yes. Indeed, yes. I'm asking you to be my wife. Yes, I know. I know. Are you offended? How could I be? Well, perhaps I should have written first. I... No, no, rather you will receive a letter from me. Thank you. Not at all. And it's you I thank. Should I order the motor run now? Yes, that would be most kind. This is a lot of house. It's a lot. Of I house. really don't think we need all this house. It's a lot of house, but she loves pulling teeth out of uh, trees. So, so that's a perfect house for her. Um, it is not the perfect house for her. <laughs> no, that's. I'm talking about the London house oh, when she, they were I'm trying the... to rent because they were getting kicked out yes. of their place. Yes, that I love house that kind of minor place. subtext of industrialization and growth, and we're tearing down things. That's to right. build new things, I found all of that kind of yeah, it's a little bit interesting, like, a little bit like the beginning of Up, yeah. <laughs> going on yes, there. yes, um, yes. I have a, a similar scene. There's one where they're walking through the house. There's actually two scenes that come to mind mm-hmm. for me. One is uh, one where they're walking through the house and they're walking down to the wine cellar, and they mm-hmm. have to like go through the servants' area on their way. Yes. And so that is like a very upstairs, downstairs kind yes. of situation. You kind of move through the life of the house, which I thought was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, probably. So that's probably my best scene. The scene that just absolutely stands out in my memory. is, And that's a, a hold on. In terms of the property we're trying to keep tabs on in this film, mm-hmm. there's the London flat. Right. There's Howard's End. Uh-huh. And then this is the separate, you're talking about the separate country house. Yeah, this is the separate the country, more house with, country house where the wedding right. happens. With okay. all the portraits on the wall. Yeah, yes. yes. Yeah, where they essentially just bought the house with all the crap in it from the person yeah. who was there before. And you're exactly. thinking like, oh, these people are just, you know, real, look at their history. And it's portraits right. of people that they don't even know. Right. And that's yeah. such a, such a class. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, it's so like weird. hijacked history um so that's probably my favorite scene is just sort of moving through that house but the absolute weirdest scene that sticks out to me is the very end of the movie when we see helena bonham carter playing with her kid you know things are starting to wrap up and anthony hopkins just kind of in a in a throwaway like oh by the way moment 
is telling Emma Thompson, yeah, you should have inherited this house like a long time ago, but I, I burned up the letter that my wife signed and oh, well, things worked out. And it's like, wait a second, what? <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Our listeners can't see. I'm going to wrap it up with the hands. We are. Thank you. And scene. And at no point did Emma Thompson do what would be the natural action, which is, I'm sorry, say what now? I was was willed this house years ago. Well, Um, and the interesting thing is, I mean, she still seems to without the property, right? That all of this, all this relationship seems to be with a genuine intention, <laughs> you know? So it's not even like she's tolerating this. Ma- like I could make up other storylines. She's tolerating this man right. to put a roof over her family's head. Poor aunt Julie or whatever. And, right. You know, all these people yeah. that she's trying to keep afloat, but she yeah. also did not seem super stressed. about no. <laughs> Not at all. Prior to this. I don't No one was, I mean, it seemed as though Helena Bottom Carter wanted to have a relationship. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that she, I mean, she does refer to herself as an old maid at one point, you know, like that sort of thing. She's a spinster or whatever, whatever right. word she uses. Yeah. But she seemed more interested with that. And it almost feels like Emma Thompson's character was kind of beyond that idea. Mm-hmm. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, so that's nice, but it's not really where it's at. Yeah. Um, speaking of the performers in this movie, what is your best performance from the movie? I think Thompson's exception. I okay. think her her face, her body, because she's moving in a way that feels very modern. I don't know whether it feels like very of the time, but a more liberated person mm-hmm. in some way. But I also really love Jackie Bast because you and I spoke a little bit about the class classism in this movie, right? And you know, that it feels like you can never really move up because you don't know the rule book for being posh. Mm-hmm. Your accent will give you away. You know, can you come in and like talented Mr. Ripley, all these people, you know, the average yeah. person cannot. You and our conversations that they just look like a, someone in a suit and someone in a dress at a wedding. Why are people looking at them like they're, you know, out of pocket? Well, and it's because, you know, they, they've crashed this. They, they're, they have all the tells that they do not belong there. Like diving headfirst into the cake is maybe a dead giveaway. <laughs> right, right. Making the host run away at one point is another giveaway that maybe, even though you're super friendly and excited to see him. But they, you know, she's sitting there and she's eating her cake and they just keep coming by with more champagne and it's just so lovely. And oh, yes, please. And, and you know, and the jerky brother comes up and the you know, bride or groom, you know, mm-hmm. and she says nothing. and. You know, so it's it's like, you know, and her trying to unravel the mystery of where is her husband going when he goes to walk in the field of irises or whatever, whatever he's this this painfully romantic view of the world. Right. That Leonard Bass seems to have. Well, and go figure that you run into someone that you had a tryst with back in um, who knows when. Cyprus, when you were 16 years old. Old. So that's problematic but so you know oh my god anthony hopkins get out of here Come get out of here with your yes small so mustache and your he is though it's funny to have us have watched him hateable lecture yeah he's still <laughs> yeah, equally he's weirdly equally stiff there's a stiffness to him right he's very oh, yeah, starched yeah. 
Well, and movie. sinister. He has that. He has that yes. sort of glare. You know, like his his head is tilted down, but his eyes yes. are tilted up. Well, and when he turns, he turns his like his entire body. Yeah. You know, like turns yeah. you know, yeah. pit on a, on a dime, pivots around to look at you, and you're like, Ugh. yeah, no, breath. he's got he's got creep written all over him. Yeah, totally. Right, that's marriage material right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, so you take Emma you? Thompson. Yeah, I'm going to take Vanessa Redgrave. Comes into go. this movie. Uh, she's in the movie for like 10 minutes, throws like a hundred miles an hour while she's in there and then yep. gets out and le- leaves a lasting impression. I thought she was I mean, great. You know, don't we think her silly, this old woman. Now, this is the scientific approach to Christmas shopping. A list. A list? What a good idea. Why don't you put your own name at the top of the list? Oh, hooray! How very kind of you to start with me. Now, next, shall I put Mr. Wilcox? But your name still remains at the top of the list. Yes. So, Dolly, there she goes. I would like to give you something worth your friendship. Because I was like, it was hard to be like, are we going to make her like, she's like a secret progressive? No, man. No, no. She's not down with suffrage. No. She is not. not. You know, men should really do the thinking and the voting. That's right. Just to let you know. But but that they all still allowed her to hang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you had the sense that she knew what was important. Like, you know, she knew Howard's End was important. She knew who Mm -hmm. belonged there, you know, like all of Mm -hmm. these things. Like she had she had her finger on the pulse of some stuff. Um, So I think what's interesting is I think in terms of other masterpiece theater type stuff you know when i think of films like emma and things like that right movies and books you know the brontes or whatever we're thinking there oh there it's always about changing and transforming people yeah you know it's about we need to change this person we're gonna we're gonna invest in this person so they can be different we're gonna try to do all these things and try to help fix things and and there doesn't really feel like that's a lot except around bast which is like a something that's kind of starts rolling and then we're just trying to fix it they're not hanging out with Mrs. Wilcox mm-hmm. in order to change her. That mm-hmm. doesn't seem, or to get something from her. It's just friendship. Right. Yeah. Which I, yeah, totally. which I think I kept expecting something more. Okay. Betsy, I got some stats about the movie. Stats, 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 stats. Howard's End opened on March 13th, 1992. March. March 13th. That's the dump zone. Yeah. Well, not too yeah. much. It, you know, February is traditionally sort of dump. Yeah, zone. I guess. But that's um, people are going to have to remember this a whole year later. Yeah. For the Oscars. Yeah. Wow. This okay. day in nine zero two one zero. Do 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 do. We have arrived at season two, episode twenty three, entitled Cardio Funk. Cardio Funk. Is this Dylan. the David Silver? No. no. Okay, just checking. This is a Dylan and Brenda episode. Oh, boy. Dylan and Brenda test their relationship when he becomes involved with a fellow AA member and she meets a pre-med student at the gym. Cardio. <laughs> Cardio funk. Funk. <laughs> is that some pelvic thrusting kind of funk? I don't know what's happening. Okay. It's uptown funk. 
Um, no. so because they're trying to be friends because right. they're not together anymore. That's right. That's right. I, I actually vaguely remember this episode. Yeah. Okay. I, I have a vague dark haired memory of the Mets. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. very foggy, but yes. Uh, let's see. Howard's end had a domestic gross of $26 million, making it the number 48 grossing movie of 1992. Okay. So not too bad. That's not uh, too bad. It is, yeah. It is the number 3,167th top grossing movie of all time. Oh, between... All right. Ready. Well, now this is interesting, Betsy. We have something Am that I, gonna... I don't think, I don't think this has ever happened to us before. I'm excited. So Howard's End comes bef- between a movie called Plane, Plane, P-L-A-N-E, like a plane that flies, which is a movie that just came out last month. Gerald Butler? Yeah, Gerard Butler and Gerard uh, Butler. the guy from Luke Cage. Yep. Oh, plane. I love, I love Mike Coulter. I yeah, love yeah, him. yeah, yeah. Ooh, Tony plane. Goldwyn's in it too. I know, right? So like, we're talking oh about a movie that just came out. I mean, just, just came, came out. out. Oh my goodness. Wow. <laughs> so is it on the way up or on the way down? Is it going to be here when you look well, at this next week? Yeah, so I imagine that yeah. it may have moved at this point. It may be ahead Maybe. of, you know, 3,166, but... Um, okay. Anyway, at the time of this recording, uh, Howard's End comes between Plane and a movie called That Awkward Moment, which is a relationship comedy. And let me read you this cast that has Zac Efron, Michael B. Jordan, and Miles Teller. And must have been a what? terrible movie. I know. I'm like, how do I not know about this movie? <laughs> it's, so, it's so weird. Oh my gosh! And Mackenzie Davis, who's in Station Eleven, is in it. Dude, it's so weird. I've never Whoa. heard of ever ever heard of this movie. So you get uh, Plain Howard's End and that awkward moment. Flirt Mary Kill. Oh my lord! I think I may need to read the three best friends find themselves where we've all been at that confusing moment in every dating relationship when you have to decide. So where is this going? Oh God, that movie sounds god awful. <laughs> and then plane, a pilot finds himself caught in a war zone after he's forced to land his commercial aircraft during a terrible storm. Yes, I have seen. I have seen the trailer for Plane because I've been. I was about to say you've lately. seen this movie. No, okay. I haven't seen the movie. I've seen the trailer. Okay. Do you know the name of Gerard Butler's character? <laughs> it's. <laughs> Brody Torrance. Wow. wow. Captain Torrance. <laughs> Somebody who wrote that script was a big Shining fan. Somebody's into it. Danny Torrance. All right. In the plane, Mrs. Torrance. <laughs> okay. So I think I'm going to flirt with that awkward moment. I'm going to marry mm-hmm. Howard's and I'm going I'm to kill the plane. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Ding ding, 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 ding. That's that's my answer ding, as well. Ding. Awesome. Excellent. Woo. I mean, gotta, there's a there's a lot to flirt with. Yeah. In that you got to flirt with awkward moment just for the potential of the cast alone. I mean, who knows what might happen? <laughs> who knows? So let's head on over to Rotten Tomatoes, where they let's report that Howard's End has a score of 94% on Rotten oh, Tomatoes. That's not bad. Yeah, people love this movie. Uh, what do you think, Raj? 
What do you think our buddy Raj thought of this movie? Oh, I feel like he liked it. Because how else is this movie going to stick around for a full year to mm-hmm. get nominated for an Oscar? Here's the thing about Roger. I kind of feel like I know how much he liked the movie by how flowery his language gets in his Okay. Movie. Okay. He says this. It is a film seething with anger, passion, greed, and emotional violence that the characters are generally well-behaved says less about their manners than their inhibitions. Four out of four stars. Gross. I feel like that was hit, that was hitting on me. I feel uncomfortable, Greg, by that review. <laughs> he just gets really poetic when he likes a movie. He oh, just starts man. throwing it. <laughs> Yikes. Okay. Settle down, Raj. Settle down, Raj. Go take a shower. Um, I again for the second month in a row, I have no Janet Maslin review. So we have to go back to Rita Kimpley again from the Washington oh, Post. She's the best. Okay. All right. What does Rita say? The so Rita says Merchant and Ivory have regathered many of the cast and crew from their earlier films to work on this reproduction to exquisite effect. Five out of five stars. So she's basically saying they hired all the same people. <laughs> it looks nice. Rita says, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's five right. out of five. <laughs> That's right. Do it again. Let's run it back. That's Good Rita's. job, M M and I. Good That's job. Rita's take. Uh okay. how did it do at the Oscars? Oh my God, Betsy. Holy cow. All right. I don't um, even know. I haven't looked. Okay, so it won three. Let's start there. It won three okay. Oscars. Okay, so costumes. Oscars costumes. Costumes. No, it did no! not. No! What? Yeah. It's a period film. It did not win costumes. Was it nominated for that? It was nominated for costumes, ladies. Okay. Hmm. All right. So we're nominated for costumes. Mm-hmm. Was it set direction? Like or yes. direction? Best set direction. Yeah. Okay. The house. Yeah. The portrait. The, the house is. <laughs> yeah. The house is. Numerous locations. Score? No. Mm. No. No, but it was nominated for score. Okay. Um screenplay? Got- Ad- adapted screenplay? Adapted screenplay, yes. Yes. Uh, and that's, we've, got, I've got we, two. We've, we've got some big ones here too. Yeah. But this is, but are you looking for nominations or are you looking for? Oh, I'm looking for wins. So, so far you've gotten two out of the three wins. Best okay. set decoration and best adapted screenplay. Okay. Emma Thompson. Yes. Best actress Emma Thompson. Oh, okay. Was a I win. I forgot that. I forgot that. The remaining nominations. Do you want to hear these? Yes, please. So you got best score, best costume design, best mm-hmm. cinematography is okay. in there. Best Director for James Ivory is in there. Okay. And Best Supporting Actress for Vanessa. For hell, that's good. Ten minutes. That's all it takes. And then, of course, Best Picture. Nominated for Best Picture. Got it. I didn't have to marry, but I did. My family wouldn't have anything to do with this. They tried to stop me, but I married her all the same. Because I promised if I hadn't, where would she be today after the Mr. Wilcoxes of this world had finished with it? It would never, never, not in a thousand years enter that man's mind that he'd done anything wrong. Because there's nothing here and nothing here. 
And you're the opposite. You believe in personal responsibility and personal everything. Very nice. What good am I to myself or to Jackie? Marrying her only to pull her down with me so we can starve together. You'll find another position somewhere, surely you will. You don't know what you're talking about. If rich people fail at one profession, they can try another. But with us, once a man over 20 loses his own particular job, he's done for. What is the lasting legacy of this movie? We can go in a lot of different directions. Do you want to talk? Um, yeah. Do you want to talk uh, uh, Merchant Ivory, economic justice? There's a lot of stuff happening in this movie. Where do you want to go with this conversation? Well, I mean, some of it, it feels like it's in Hollywood was Hollywood, but the UK was also having its own thing happening as mm-hmm. well. Right. Mm-hmm. So I don't know enough about British cinema to say that this is a revival. Right. But it feels like I mean, you could go back to Rube with a view mm-hmm. and then go, you know, but that so much of the 70s had been this kind of American muscle auteurist, you know, whatever was happening in, in cinema at the time. Yeah. With Europe seeming very French and experimental or whatever. Yeah. And then this is this element of this. We're also coming out of the 80s, like, blockbuster, crowd-pleaser, Spielberg of it all, too. Right. So, because we we have noted before that we're on the edge of this independent film type thing. And as we said earlier on this episode, right, that these guys were going for books that were no longer, were out of copyright. Mm -hmm. They were were low-budget with awesome casts. These were like, right, these are like people who are stars of of british stage you know, that would do always kind of do this back and forth because you could do that a little more easily there to yeah. film something and then get on stage as opposed to you know being in hollywood and then going to new york or whatever to do mm-hmm. that here there was a there's a moment that's happening here with these yeah. actors and these creators yeah in america yeah. it feels like you know, the sexual thriller is big around this time, like early mm-hmm. 90s. I think of like, you yeah, know, there's a lot Basic of instinct. Like, there's a lot of that stuff yeah. going on. Yep. Whereas in England, there's a lot of period drama going on in the early 90s. So like you said, we we must we mistook this movie for Remains of the Day. Which comes out in 1993, so we'll we'll watch that again two years later next year. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, yeah. But also, like Emma is around like early 90s, right? There's like um, yeah. all the Jane Austen stuff is in the early yeah. 90s, mid 90s. Like there's a there's just a lot of Henry the Fifth had just come out in like 89 and stuff with Kenneth Branagh. Period drama, Shakespeare, like all of that kind of stuff kind of bubbling around the British. And so so I always thought of like British movies around this time as just being like not for me, like a young American. And all of the American Mm. stuff was like sex, violence, rock and roll, minimalism, you know, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, and so it feels like these are two worlds that are very far apart, like Merchant Ivory doesn't feel like it's of a piece with Reservoir Dogs, right? But I also feel like if you're looking then at a market, there is a void, right? So Mm -hmm. the Brits fill it. It's almost like comparing people who love the music but don't pay attention to the lyrics, Mm -hmm. American films, and -hmm. people who love the lyrics and the music. You know, like, the writing is good. It's It's all well done. Like, the delivery is incredible. Like, people who are looking at the craft... 
mm-hmm. as opposed to the vibe that there's an openness in the movie market to allow that to happen if it's coming in at the right price point. There's no violence in this movie, obviously, but, um, well, no, I take that back. There's violence at the end of this movie, isn't there? There's a mm-hmm. death at the end of this movie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, sorry. Um, there's a sword, for God's sake. I just <laughs> whacked him with the side of the sword. I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> right. Just the, the disconnect. Oh, my God. Like, just, I, I can't even see. Like, you know, I think I'm, I'm sad for him because he does not know how all of this is going to go down. And I'm like, oh, no. Right. And I guess that's part of what that's part of what I'm trying to put my finger on is that there's a violence here, but it's like economic violence. It's like yeah. how capitalism just stomps all over the people who cannot get a foothold into the system. Mm-hmm. And the time where they do get sort of insider information of like, Oh man, you got to leave that place. That place is going to go under. They're right. dead wrong. It's just like right, right. <laughs> it's the disregard. It's the flippancy. It's the yeah. There's no consequences for the no, bourgeois no. And class. And it's very right? much this this idea that you hear, like you know, prosperity gospel Christians or whatever kind of profess. You know, well, the poor will always be with us. You know, poverty is just a part of life right there's always people who will be poor it's not right. like you can save all the starfish like sorry you it's know a, and that's a, very much the attitude but but hell the bottom car is gonna fling another one back in the ocean and fling another, like no one's gonna stop her until she has to keep going off to hamburg to have um, to be there's like a there's a quote that i think is attributed to john steinbeck and so it may not be real and because i don't know where i saw it but um it was something like um you know, the reason socialism doesn't work in America is because poor Americans see themselves as like embarrassed future millionaires or something like that. Like, you know, mm. embarrassed that they're not already millionaires or something like that. Yeah, it's like, yeah. yeah, there's there's like this attitude of sort of entitlement, like, you know, that we're not like a, we're not like a working class that has power. You know, if we were able to attain class and fame and status, then we would be fine, too. And we are we're totally capable of it. It's like, no, you're Mm -hmm. not like the game is rigged against you. That's the whole point of how this works. Right. Like you're never going to get there because the people that are there have made it made it their job to make sure that you don't get there. (laughs) Well, and what's super weird, too, is there are moments I'd be watching this, especially when he would go to the bank or whatever and i'm like does george banks from mary poppins work here too because it's the same time period yeah but that's the sanitized edwardian social conflict suffrage right subplot situation same sort of thing yeah Yeah. and i mean all of that stuff is linked to it right i mean that's what i appreciate about this movie is that the thing about class is that like it's like tendrils that kind of spread out. So class is directly linked to racism and class is directly linked to imperialism and class is directly linked to property. Like all of these things, you know, are attached to this one sort of idea and it has its claws in all of it, you know, like the, the whole Africa subplot of this movie is just fascinating to watch play out because nobody thinks twice about the fact that they are 
really like culturally raping a country, you know? Yep. It's just oh, like, and we mentioned okay. India and we're Nigeria. Yeah, we're kind yeah. of, yeah. The fact that you just described that the way you did just shows that you're watching The Last of Us right now. Uh. Tendril, tendrils <laughs> all connected to an idea, throbbing, pulsing. Yep. Yep, Connecting yep. us all. Yeah. Yep, yep. 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 Turn on one part, turns on the whole organism. I got you, Greg. <laughs> I feel you. What's the matter? Hmm? May I ask you my question now? Certainly. Tomorrow, Helen goes to Germany. Yes. I'm fine. Tonight, with your permission, yes. she would like to sleep at Howard's End. Help me. But why, why at Howard's End? I don't understand. It is an odd request, hmm? but you know what women in her state are. Yes, I could understand it if it were her, her own home, associations and so on, but Helen has no associations with Howard's End. I don't see why she wants to stay there. She's her only catch cold anyway. Call it fancy, but she, she wants to. I don't understand. If she wants to sleep there one night, she'll want to sleep there too. No, no, just... And she'll never get her out of the house. But that matters so very much. Well, of course it will. No, no, Henry, you we will only trouble it. Howard's End for this one night. Margaret, I shall stay with her. No, that's quite impossible, and that's madness. I want you here to meet Charles. What has Charles to do with this? Margaret, as the future owner of Howard's End, has everything to do with Charles. <laughs> In what way? Please answer me, Henry. I shall do what I can for your sister, but I cannot treat her as if nothing has happened. I should be false to my position in society if I did. Tomorrow she will go to Germany and trouble society no longer. Tonight, she asks to sleep in your empty house. May she, will you give my sister leave? Will you forgive her? As you yourself have been forgiven. Um, is there any ethics to this at all? Like, so we, we, we were talking about, like, you know, the, these characters are hard to root for. So at the end of this movie, you have two sisters who we've kind of, I guess, are our protagonists in the movie. So we've been following their story the whole time. And uh-huh. they're told by this old curmudgeonly rich man. Um, oh, yeah, you should have inherited this house a long time ago. My bad. I burned up my ex-wife's will in the fire. But boy, did we have a good time over the last 20 years. And now I'm feeble minded and will live out the rest of my the end of my days here. And it's just like, what what did we learn from any of this? It's just like like everything's ugly and nasty and there's no ethics. And well, and I mean, I have not read a passage to India, which is Ian Forrester's other big work. Right. And there's some ambiguity there, too. Mm-hmm. I think that the, all of that is intentional in his books that he's not going to sew it up for you. Yeah. And he's trying, there's an element of holding a mirror that's happening here. Yeah. That it is one of these movies where oh, these people are complicated and flawed, just like all of humanity is just like all of the, and, and it's like, and how are you going to get out of the system without breaking the wheel? And why would you break the right. wheel? Because right, because it's working for so many people. Because we have McDonald's and it's really nice, and nobody wants to lose their McDonald's. You know, it's like that kind of thing. You know, it's like there's enough of a shell game going on that everybody chases after. Like, you know, um, I don't know, is Disney woke or something? When in reality, you're just getting Uh grifted by like the same people over and over again, and you're arguing about stuff that doesn't matter. Yeah. It's just, oh my God. It's just so, it's so depressing in a way, I guess. Uh 
But boy, is that garden look nice. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, you know. Um. Okay, so who is this movie for? That's him. I mean, I am looking at like our list of movies for this year. Yeah. The people that see Howard's End might have also seen A Few Good Men. They may also see watch Sin of a Woman. Uh-huh. And yep. they may also watch Unforgiven, I think. I think all I think they're buying tickets to all of those. Yeah. And maybe I'm looking at you, boomers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I think these are people who are in as we've talked about, kind of this precursor. Mm-hmm. Into some of not the more edgy independent film, but they're right. like culture. Like there's culture here mm-hmm. because there are accents, and I think we've we've now had a far more exposure to um, right. British British television, British pop culture. Right, is now far more. You know, through you know, you can get BritBox or Acorn or this or that. I mean, there's just. They're now, at least to me, being someone who looks for some of this stuff, at least in the procedural realm, and then also in the PBS realm, that it doesn't feel like, ooh, this is like a secret foreign thing. Right. That, like, I'm checking out. But I think that's the way Merchant Library stuff felt. Yeah, I, I wrote down, this This movie is for costume drama aficionados. It's like, yeah. you know, it's just very much in that wheelhouse of, like, if you're going to Remains of the Day or... Emma or you know whatever yeah. else is out there then mm-hmm. you're probably going to this too like it's you know it's the thing yeah but I think this one this one is even a, a little bit more of you yeah I think it us it demands a little bit more from its viewers yeah you gotta you gotta pay attention and luckily it does keep your attention like I was never bored watching this movie so no the like, acting is great like yeah, yeah, yeah. what house are we in now I gotta keep up I gotta get a map <laughs> that's right um, yeah. So what what do you rate this movie out of five? I'm going to give it a three and a half. Hey, that's exactly what I gave it. There you go. We have been the same on the last two movies. So far this year, we have been the same. That Ricardo and I have differed, but you and I have been the yeah, same. Yeah, I've been the same. But yes, okay. I gave Howard's End a three and a half as well. I mm-hmm. said I was pleasantly surprised by it. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like it was a well-crafted soap opera. And the ending sequence is pretty strange. Yep. <laughs> so. I was so distracted by watching that man plow the field that I had to go back and remember what you were talking about. <laughs> like, I was so into the visuals. I was like, oh, look at, oh, and there's, you know, grumpy Gus brothers kid out there playing with her kid. And well, it's just like, we're all cool I, I that there's just... no... It just dad, all happens no so quickly. Like in the yeah. span of five minutes, a kid has been arrested and sent to jail for the rest of his life. Right. Uh, Anthony Hopkins makes a major confession that just goes over as if he had, I don't know, like it let out a burp or something. And, and then. Well, I mean, he makes every comment in a flippant manner, so it's fine. <laughs> it's just so... Hey, I hear they're going under. Hey, guess what? I burned my wife's handwritten deathbed note that gives I... you this house. The, the last five minutes of this movie are just a roller coaster. Of- are we having Cornish <laughs> for dinner? Fabulous. Um, why? Why did the Academy nominate this? Easiest question ever. It's so British and so pretty. So British, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah totally. And uh, like we uh, new category. Um, what do you think Billy Crystal said about this movie at the Oscars? Lots of did he make? Mer- did it was it like cliche? Ivory? Yeah, like, lots of merchant ivory jokes. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. 
stuffy. Um, he probably broke out a British accent when he was. Making- Absolutely, they might have even put a bonnet. <laughs> and this is also the year of the independent film, the British Invasion, Howard's End, nine nominations, made of course by the talented Merchant Ivory team who do these great period classics such as Room with a View. Nine nominations, and now. I think to their credit, they want to do something more contemporary. So they're going to make a movie with Spike Lee. Yeah, it's going to be called Howard's Beach. It's a good job. Um, what did Emily have to say about Howard's Beach? This is a big fan. I don't know whether she's seen it. He watches this every weekend, I imagine. No, she does not. I don't know whether she's seen it. It seems like it seems like this is a perfect double feature with my cousin Vinny. So I can't imagine that oh she would just no. watch this. No, 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 no. All right. Uh, so that's it. Howard's End. Howard's Some- End. And the books. Hey, today we're recording this actually on Emily's birthday. So happy birthday. Oh, hey, happy birthday, Emily. Uh, go watch Howard's End for you. Go watch Howard's End. Happy birthday. <laughs> Uh, next oh, up, let's see. We are back in the world of Penny Marshall. It's a league Yay! of their own. Yay! Excited. Yeah. So as I said, I've watched this one. I think more than any other movie that's so been on I'm our trying list. to think back over our last few years. Have we had Tom Hanks yet? Is this our first Tom Hanks movie? I think, I think it is. It. Yeah. I think it is. So goodbye, Kevin Costner. Hello, Tom Hanks. We're going to be with Tom Hanks for a little We're going to be with him for a while. <laughs> yeah, let me look here. Oh, my gosh. Again, another pro- prolific person. That's right. League of Their Own, Penny Marshall. Gina Davis is back with us. Uh, Lori uh-huh. Petty is back Lori with Petty's us. Lori Petty's back, yeah. So many of our returning Popping Collars friends are going to be back it's with be great. us. Betsy, thank you for strolling through the gardens with me. Only, only at twilight, Greg. It's the only <laughs> would time you, I like would it. you care to stay for uh, some tea? Uh, After um, I pick this tooth out of a tree, I will come in for tea and a strawberry. So weird. That, I got to tell you, that is a weird thing when you go picking teeth out of trees. That's so. I mean, they wish they had more mythology. All they have is fairies. Too bad. <laughs> All right, we'll see know. you next All time. Right. Bye.